you'll please turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, I believe it can be found on page 979 in the Bibles and the chairs in front of you. We're going to wrap up this morning our little marriage mini-series. And then the next few weeks we'll look at biblical instructions for children and parents in chapter 6. Let me read Ephesians chapter 5 verses 21 through 33. But our passage of focus will be verses 31 through 33. This is God's holy word to us this morning. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Let's pray. Father, help us to see this morning that your love is deeper, your love is wider, your love is higher than anything we have ever known. There is nothing like your love. So please transfer our, transform our hearts with it this morning, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Today, this morning, and maybe even over the last few weeks, some of you may be thinking, hey, I thought you were doing a marriage series. You seem to be talking about the church a whole lot. So, so what are we talking about? Are we talking about Christ and his church, or are we talking about marriage? And the answer is yes. Yes. We're talking about both. Uh, the entire point that's being made from these verses, from this teaching to the church in Ephesus and as we have applied it to marriage, is that in this marriage series, that marriage is the gospel. Marriage is the gospel. That when God created marriage, He already had the saving grace, the saving work of the Lord Jesus Christ in mind. So, the questions that we may ask, or the questions that we need to answer today are, do you, do you want to know what a really great marriage is like? Then you have to look at Christ's relationship to his church, which is his bride. Do you want to know what the love of Christ is like for his church? Then look at marriage. Look at the way that a groom, look at the way that a husband dotes over his wife. 
that he loves his wife, that he's deeply infatuated with his wife. That is what Christ's love is like for his church. That is how Christ treats us, his church. And how does a wife respond to a husband's serving and, and dying love? She submits to him. She honors him and follows his leadership. How does the church respond to a loving God who sent his one and only son so that we might live? We submit to the Lord Jesus. We see that he is the king and the head of the church. He is the lover of our souls. He is the one who has demonstrated his love in a way that no other person has. I love that great hymn we sang earlier. The church is one foundation. The first verse. The church is one foundation is Jesus Christ her Lord. She is His new creation by water and the Word. From heaven He came and sought her to be His holy bride. With His own blood He bought her. And for her life He died. Christ loves His church that much and that is why we look to Christ's love for his church as the 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 fuel the the impetus the motivation for husbands loving wives wives loving husbands a gospel-centered marriage and so that's why we keep saying over and over and over that that marriage is the gospel that marriage is and Christ's relationship with His church, they explain one another. And so as we come to verses 31 through 33, we're going to look at three more observations, three more truths about marriage from this passage to help us go deeper and deeper here into this picture of the Gospel. The first thing we're going to look at is the meaning of marriage. The second thing, the mystery of marriage. And the third thing, the mission of marriage. So let's look at first verse 31, the, the meaning of marriage. Where do we go to find meaning? Where do we go to find purpose? Where do we go to find happiness and joy and fulfillment? Well, we know our own hearts that too often we're looking to other people, other things to find meaning and purpose in life. We're looking to other people and other things to, to, to be affirmed, to to find satisfaction, to be loved. But we must know that God has such something much better than this world has to offer. God wants to show us a love much greater than any person or anything can, can give us. And that's why we need to look to what God has to say about these ideas. And where do we get these ideas? Where do we find meaning and purpose? Where do we, where do we see God's will on these matters? We go to the Bible. We look to the Scriptures alone to give us true meaning and purpose and joy. Specifically, life's biggest questions, life's deepest longings, they're all addressed for us in the very good beginning of God's Word. In the very first few chapters of Genesis, we can actually find the answer to a lot of these big questions in life. 
And that's what's amazing about God's Word. Genesis chapters 1, 2, and 3, they're, they're more than just neat little Bible stories. They're more than just going to see how God created the, the world. There's actually very rich theology, very rich application to life's biggest questions there. And so naturally, let's go there to find out about love and marriage. Let's look to the Scriptures, to the very good beginning, and see what God's idea is about these things. And so, that's something that we need to apply when it comes to understanding anything in life. Let's not divorce our ideas about this world from God's created order of things. And so that's why Paul, in verse 31, when he's talking about marriage to the Ephesian church, he's going back to the very good beginning. And in the beginning, right after creation, God creates marriage. And that is the most fundamental truth I think we could all grab on to this morning. Marriage is God's idea. Marriage is God's idea. I've done a lot of weddings in my pastoral career. And the very last thing that I do in a wedding is I put my hands on top of the couple's hands who I've just joined in marriage through their vows before God Almighty. And I say, what God has joined together, let man not put asunder. In other words, what God has created, His idea, to, our biggest problems in life is we treat marriage like going to buy a new car or throwing it away like an old car. Marriage is God's idea. In the very first marriage, in the very beginning, in the first marriage, God gives a mandate to marriage. He gives meaning here to marriage, a purpose for marriage. And we find that in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, and again, here in Ephesians 5, verse 31, that the two are no longer two, but they are now one. This is God's beautiful design and His purpose for marriage. That a man and woman, they come together in marriage, in union, in covenant with one another, and they're no longer two individual people, but they're now one unit with one purpose. And that purpose is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever by serving to one another, by submitting to one another, by being fruitful and multiplying and, and having a family and spreading God's kingdom on this earth. And, and when we've got some folks doing a great job of this, we're praying for them this morning. So praise God for that. That is part of the purpose, part of the meaning, part of what God has intended for marriage. And this beautiful relationship called marriage, it is the way, it is the picture of how God loves His church. One scholar said this, he said, the, the first Adam's love for his wife as one flesh with himself and the last Adam's love for his own bride, his body, are the typology that serves Paul's pastoral purpose of providing a model for Christian marriage which is grounded in primeval human origins and reflective of the ultimate divine reality. 
In other words, we go to the very good beginning. And we see this picture of marriage. And we are to see that this is the picture of Christ's love for His church. And so marriage is the single most important relationship on the earth, according to the Bible. Because this one flesh relationship that God has created, it's a very unique union like no other. And this act of marriage is the defining factor of a defining relationship. And that's why the act of marriage, and I won't spell it out for you because of our children here, it is what makes marriage so unique, so meaningful, so purposeful, so intimate. The meaning of marriage is that the two would become one. And this oneness is what gives man and woman such beauty and such unique purpose in life. And so Paul goes on in verse 32 to talk about the mystery of marriage. Look at what he says. This mystery is profound. And I'm saying that it refers to Christ in the church. The word mystery used in the Bible and often in the New Testament doesn't mean quite what we think it means. Uh, Paul is not talking about a mystery here like a, like a good murder mystery, like a case to be solved. The Bible's definition of the word mystery is very different from our modern usage in English. Uh, it, it can mean that it's something is a secret, but it's more fuller meaning. The Greek word mysterion means that what is being talked about here is no longer a mystery because it is now known. It has now been revealed. And so here, the mystery that Paul talked about is a truth that was once hidden but now, through the full revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ, its meaning is now made known. And so because God has revealed it to us, and He's revealed it to His church, we now know what this mystery is. And the point is that marriage is a mystery. Not that there's a hidden meaning in marriage that we're supposed to figure out, and that it's only discovered by a few that, that's not what's going on here. Rather, marriage is a divine illustration of the greater reality which is Christ and His church. That's what Paul is saying. The mystery has now been revealed. This thing called marriage that we're talking about, it really is pointing to a greater reality of Christ and His church. So often you'll hear pastors and marriage conference speakers you know, kind of making fun of marriage and saying, it's a mystery. Husbands, when you figure it out, you'll be, you'll find joy, but good luck with that. Uh, and kind of often what they mean by this is that marriage is hard and it's often mysterious. It's often per perplexing. And Paul's not trying to make a funny point here at, at, at a marriage conference and say how mysterious marriage is and husbands are always dumb and messing it up which may be true, but that's not what Paul's talking about here. Rather, the union of Christ and His church is reflected in a Christian marriage. And this is a profound mystery. So what Paul does say is that all he has been teaching, all, his, all that he's been instructing about the biblical roles of husbands and wives and the beauty of marriage, he's really talking about Christ and His church.
And that mystery is now revealed in Christ. And this mystery is profound. The Greek word here means big. It means huge. It means wonderful. This mystery is so big. This mystery is so wonderful. It's so profound that I agree with John Calvin when he states that no mere human language can fully explain what this mystery implies. It's hard to even know what we're talking about here. It's hard to explain this mystery is so profound. And so the theological, the biblical, the practical message of this teaching on marriage is, is to show, is, is not to show how awesome marriage is and wonderful marriage is, but to show how awesome Christ is and His love for His church, which is like a marriage. And so the relationship of Christ and His church, that is the model, that is the paradigm, that is the ultimate example for a Christian husband and wife. And that's why a marriage is doomed to failure when it's not based on that reality. Because a husband, by his own strength, his love is not strong enough. A wife, in and of her own self, her love is not strong enough. We need a love greater. We need a love more powerful, more complete, more lasting. And that's the love of Christ for His church. And so this wonderful mystery, this is why we honor marriage. This is why we have a high esteem for marriage. This mystery is why we treat marriage with the utmost reverence. This mystery is why we dare not mess around with how God has designed marriage. Because to do so, to do so, to mess around with marriage and the way God created it, according to God's Word here, is to do violence to the Gospel. We are messing up God's picture of the Gospel when we are messing around with His design. And so, this is the reason, this is the motivation why we fight for one man, one woman in marriage. Because it's God's picture of the Gospel. It's Christ's love for His church. Lastly, the, the mission of marriage in verse 33. Paul summarizes the duties for husbands and wives here. He, he's kind of wrapping up here what husbands and wives are to take away from this teaching. And so verse 33 is that summary and it's very much connected with, with verse 21. And so that's why we bracket all of this together. This teaching, it all goes together. And here Paul briefly restates these duties. To state it one more time, marriage is the gospel on full display. And so verse 33, you want to memorize one verse, you want to take away one verse from this marriage series, here it is. This is how we live out the gospel to one another and to a watching world. Because we're on mission. We've all been given a mission by the Lord Jesus Christ and marriage helps us show that mission. So we do that remembering that the model for husbands loving their wives and wives serving their husbands, it is Christ's relationship to His church. And so it's interesting in verse 33, if you look there, 
this instruction that Paul gives is very specific. It's very particular. He's addressing a wife in the singular and a husband in the singular. He's not trying to be generic here. He's trying to really get to the heart and call us to practically observe what's going on here. These exhortations, these instructions, they're specific for us. Wives are called to respect their husbands. Wives are called to have reverence for their husbands. The Greek word here actually employed means to fear. So in our English translations, it would be weird to say, wives, you should fear your husbands, because we know that that could be taken out of context. But what the meaning here is that we're to have wives are to have reverence and respect for their husbands. Because where there is no reverence and respect for their husbands, there can be no willing subjection to Christ. Wives, this biblical instruction is not for your harm. It is for your good. It is because of God's love for you, by, by how He created you, by how He wants to protect you, by how He wants the best for your life. Certainly, this does not mean to respect your husband when he's asking you or calling you to do something unbiblical or sinful. In no way is that ever allowed in any Christian relationship. But certainly when it comes to practical day-to-day living and living a gospel-centered marriage, we follow these instructions. Matthew Henry illustrates for us, and especially for women, this what this beauty looks like in a marriage. What this beauty for wives and for women looks like in marriage. Listen to this. The woman was made out of a rib from Adam's side. Not from his head to rule over him. Not out of his feet to be trampled upon by him. But out of his side to be equal with him. Under his arm to be protected. Near his heart to be beloved. I think that starts getting at the heart of what we're talking about here. And the beauty of the marriage relationship. Husbands, husbands, do you really want to know how to love your wife, wives? Do you really want to serve and honor and show, demonstrate your love for your wife? Then remember that everything you would do for yourself, that every time you think about yourself, which is every moment, of every second. (laughs) That all that you do to feed yourself, care for yourself, your hobbies, whatever it is, you're to have that same respect and love and care for your wife. Because she is one flesh with you now. You, You are no longer two, but one. And so, Lord God, please give us husbands the grace to think less of ourselves and more of our wives. So husbands, that means you are going to have to fight the tendency to think of yourself all the time. Every second. Every minute. We have to fight our selfish tendencies. Wives, you're going to have to fight the tendency to disrespect and dishonor your husband. Unfortunately, after the fall, it becomes natural to us to do these things. 
It is in our sinful nature. And so the impetus for doing these things, for loving and honoring and cherishing one another, is to remember our God-given duties reflect the love that Christ has for His church. I love what Matthew Henry said again. He says, the worst evils would be prevented in marriage. He said, the worst kinds of evils would be prevented. Many of the, the painful effects would be avoided if husband and wives would but obey these directions for their marriage. Think about it. The worst pain that we that you experience, the biggest trouble that you have in life could be simply avoided by following these directions. So, please heed this. Everyone. Not just married folks here, but singles and those of you who are maybe dating someone Maybe some of those you are interested in one, one. Uh, young ladies especially. You could avoid so much pain in relationship if you just follow these biblical instructions. And so young people, I would just tell you this. If you're dating someone, stop treating that relationship like a marriage. Because it's not a marriage. A dating relationship is not a marriage. Also, see, see these unique created differences in marriage for a husband and a wife and how they're for our good. Men, rather than being like Adam and trying to blame women for all of our problems, see that God created her to be your helper and that you are united to her, that when she hurts, you hurt. When you are frustrated, when, you, when she is frustrated, that, that's not a chance for you to go hunting. It's a chance for you to love her. When she's afraid, that is not an opportunity for you to judge her in being weak. Rather, it's an opportunity for you to love her and protect her and keep her close to you. And so all this teaching about marriage, let me wrap it up here. All this teaching about marriage means that... You know, we must not run to other people, to other things, and even to our spouses for validation. Because only Jesus can do that. Only Jesus can give us that affirmation and that love and that appreciation that we all want. So, when was the last time you told your spouse, thank you? I appreciate all you do for me and for our family. When was the last time that you showed sacrificial love to your spouse? The truth is we can't do these things perfectly. And the truth is we can't do these things by ourselves. We need the grace of God. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to help us die to ourselves and to live for God and to serve one another. Too often, we're trying to live the Christian life, our marriages, our parenting, and our own strength. The gospel must be our strength. The gospel must be the gas that fuels our relationships, our marriages, our parenting, our church, our lives. And so may God help us to live out our calling to Him and to one another. Let's pray. 
Father, forgive us when we have tried to do it on our own. And so now, Lord, please help us to see this beautiful, wonderful picture that is given to us here of the gospel. Christ's love for his church. A profound mystery. A wonderful picture for us on how we may serve and love one another. So help us, we pray, to do that. In Jesus' name, amen.